Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome, everyone, to another TNR short brought to you by The Next Reel on the Rash Pixel FM podcast network. If you didn't know, we spoil movies, and we're going to spoil a lot of them for you tonight, so be aware. My name is JJ, and I'm joined here tonight by Tommy Handsome. Tom, say hi. Hello, friends. Tonight, we're going to talk about uh, mind benders, and I don't know what else to call it, but um, I wanted to float the topic in this venue um, because the... 
uh, I don't know, would you call it a style? I, I I looked at it as like style or subgenre. I don't know what to call it, but it's it's one of my favorite ways to tell a story in film. Uh, well, at first I want to call it head scratchers. <laughs> <laughs> head scratchers. Usually I use words that are not safe for TV to describe it, a mind uh, other things. Right. Yes. But, um, but let's talk. Okay, so the movies that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about movies like um, Fight Club and 12 Monkeys, where you get to the end and you leave the theater thinking, wait, did that just really happen? Or movies like Shutter Island and Sucker Punch, where you end the film not knowing if you can trust the frame of reference that the narrator or the the given protagonist was was kind of feeding you throughout the story. Or um, some of them that are like my favorite are movies like Total Recall and Inception, where you can have extended debates at the end about whether the fantastic story was real or literally just a story. Movies, then other movies too, things that close the loop with the viewer. And I think that's kind of the real sort of contrast that we want to talk about tonight, which is um, things like Identity or The Wizard of Oz, where they debunk the myth before you walk away. So what did you, you said it was head scratchers? I, I just wanted to make it as dumb sounding as possible. Well, well, I know that's not a technical term in Hollywood, but do you think, do you think it's a subgenre? I think it can be a subgenre sometimes, especially for horror, maybe uh, in the sure. work of M. Night Shyamalan, it can be seen as a gimmick. Yeah. Uh, but, but gimmick. the idea of, yes. yeah, it definitely can be a gimmick, but I think if you if the person really sets out to tell that kind of story, then it could be a subgenre. Usually Hollywood doesn't enjoy uh, ambiguity. Right. And to have that in there is something that I love and I think is so important and cool. Uh, but it's got to be quite a fight from filmmakers to do that. Well, me too. And I know that you've you've talked about the unreliable narrator that mm-hmm. being one of your sort of favorite frames of reference to start with. Uh-huh. So uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what are some of your favorites that kind of go into that realm? It's interesting. Uh, two of my favorites that involve an unreliable narrator. Sure. In, in, a lot of times in fiction, the unreliable, in fiction, sorry, books, the yeah. unreliable, run, unreliable narrator has something to hide. Okay. And you only learn later that he or she is lying to you and maybe you figure out why. Is that like a Holden Caulfield thing or? Not sure. I don't think I ever read the entire book. (laughs) That's okay. I just uh, thought that would be the most classic reference for us to go to. Catcher in the Rye, J.D. Salinger. Catcher in the Rye, J.D. Salinger. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I guess, but to to sidestep that, Humanities Major. Fair. um, uh, Two of my favorite movies that involve quote unquote unreliable narrators, they're not lying to you. They just are falling victim inside of their own minds for right. one reason or another. And I love that. One of the examples that pops into my head is Brazil. Okay. Brazil uh, by Terry Gilliam is a narrative film for the majority of it. And then all of a sudden he's strapped down, spoiler alert, he's strapped down <laughs> into the torture chair where they're going to begin torturing him. And there's this wild um rescue sequence uh fronted by the renegade air conditioner repairman uh, led by uh, Robert De Niro yeah. and the movie sort of starts to spin out of control it becomes more allegorical it becomes more fantasy like until the end when he has a wonderful driving off into the sunset moment where then the hammer drops and it turns out that he just sort of escaped into his own mind they were about to start torturing him and he went mad yeah. And he's there with a, with a happy smile on his face. <laughs> but so we got 
the happy ending in a way he got the happy ending but by definition it is unreliable it was not real see and i love that and that's that's actually one of andy's favorite movies i know i mean mm-hmm. listen to they we i think the next reel has a brazil podcast where they talk about you know yeah. everything and on andy's flick chart brazil is always like a defensible space right for going up <laughs> or going down is it better than brazil or i think that's the only reason andy likes me is i put that on my info page that brazil was in my top five you're and in I think, I think all of my monkey shines after that has gotten a pass which is nice <laughs> okay so brazil is there any others that you off the top your head potentially jacob's ladder okay and this one is a little bit tougher jacob's ladder is a really tough weird read about what's really going on so i'm not sure it exactly belongs in here okay but at some point he is there is a reading that you can read it to say that he has made up his own happy ending just like the protagonist in brazil right that while he is dying on the operating room in uh, Vietnam, he and it's interesting because he's actually given himself two to three different happy futures, almost like sure. his real mind is starting to counteract that. Both of them start breaking down, but and they're so extended, right? So I mean, extended. like it, they're years beyond the war. Yes, which is just I, I don't know. I, I find it brilliant, and I and I and we've talked about at length in uh, in the film board about how I can't do horror but that's a movie that is so deep in the mind yeah. that I actually just value the story so much that I that I want that kind of depth right and so to bring it back to what you were saying the unreliable mm-hmm. narrator those are just two things that popped two films that popped into my head but they're not a traditional unreliable narrator Sure. Or maybe they are. I'm not sure. But that's exactly the kind of stuff that I'm talking about here. It, what is it for you that you like about those types of movies? Like, well, how does that connect with what you like when you go to see a movie? Well, the easy, the first answer, and I want to explore this a teeny bit, but the first answer for me is I just love being taken by surprise. Well, that's cool because I don't like surprises at all, but I still like them. Right. <laughs> so it's, there are two different ways to enjoy this kind of movie, I think. You know, what you were saying about Jacob's Ladder is actually interesting to me because my favorite that is like this is Donnie Darko. And mm. um, and it's interesting that you bring up two in Brazil and uh, in Jacob's Ladder in that it's stories or your interpretation of it was that there were stories that the characters created for themselves to give them a happy ending. And when, um, when I talk about Donnie Darko, there, there's a lot of uh, debate about and I shouldn't say to people who don't like Donnie Darko or who aren't as big of a fanboy as, as I am about it, they probably aren't into this debate. But when people saw Donnie Darko, there was uh, some debates actually on like IMDb bulletin boards and things about whether the story, the awkward, strange story with the crazy rabbit actually happened, or if it's just his life flashing before his eyes, before he dies right. in the wreck with the plane. Um, you know, and I, I don't know, I guess for me, that debate is what makes it special to me. Yes, we go back to ambiguity. Right. That there is something to talk about where it's not that the filmmaker has made all of the decisions, sorry, not the filmmaker, the the writer, the production mm-hmm. crew, the filmmaker, that they have made all of the stories for you. We have plenty of wonderful slice-of-life movies or just based in real life, real reality. But to end a movie and to have people really kind of want to debate and wonder about what was really happening and what wasn't, I really like that. I think a lot of people find that frustrating. But I'm like you. I think that that's, I mean, to make a movie that people want to talk about more than just saying things like, it's not the best movie I ever saw, which yeah. is the dumbest phrase in the history of talking. Film it board listeners. It's better than cats. It's better, yeah. 
Uh, but the uh, the idea of really debating what the what the filmmaker gave us, the film really becomes sort of a, a clouded window at that point, and we're only right. able to see what the filmmaker wants us to see. And if there's something to really debate about that, that's exciting. Have you ever gotten involved in a argument about a movie um, about whether it really happened? Do you know about those arguments out there in the in the internet? I do. World? Yeah, I've been involved in. Uh, arguments with friends arguments is the wrong thing fun debates with friends that went on so long i think jj you were on one that oh, yeah. someone that had been roped in to see the movie with us kindly told us on email to stop emailing her about it <laughs> she wanted to drop out of the email train because she had a life to live not us <laughs> please take me off this list exactly but no in- inception was a big one for that yeah yeah uh, do arguments so my question about these types of movies and in movies like Inception and the ones we're talking about, do arguments about whether it really happened, do th- does that matter? Uh, my thing about it, like Total Recall is the one that I go back to on that is like, what was he really on Mars or was it just a memory that was put in there? Is that the central point of a movie with this gimmick? I'm going to use I'm going to use gimmick for now. Sure. Is that the is is the point of whether it happened or not? Is that the reason why this creation gimmick exists or is there something deeper? Because I think that for people like you and me that see the movie that that is sometimes the real sort of flame of creativity, but for others it's just like it it becomes like that person who asked off the the list. It's just it was a movie and I'm going on. Yeah, there's two. And with Total Recall, you're going off of the Blue's eye, Blue Blue Skies on Mars. I've never seen that before. Oh. Line. Uh, that's the y- big That's yes. the big tipping point in the... We're talking, I assume, about the original Total right. Recall, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah I haven't what, seen the Colin Farrell. Yeah, when he's loading up the program, he says, oh, Blue Skies on Mars. I've never seen that before. And the rest right. plays out pretty straightforward. That's sort yep. of the one big clue. There's two ways of looking at it. Uh, and people can get... I mean, a lot of people sometimes look at films like this as a puzzle... Yeah. Almost like an Agatha Christie, Agatha Christie um, puzzle uh, that is able to be found out. That there are sure. enough clues, and those are the people that, in Inception, say you can clearly see that the his totem, the top, is starting to stutter. So of course it'll stop. Right. Well, that's a way of talking about it. That's de- <laughs> definitely valid. I don't think that's as much fun. I think right. that one way, what I usually like to look at is here's what I think. And partly it's because here's what I want to believe. And that's not always that it's because it's a happy ending. Was this redemptive? Did this character make up? It's always about sins in the past for a lot of these movies. Did this character make up for the horrible things that he or she have done? And as a result, do you think that uh, he or she deserves this and would get this in real life? See, all of that, being able to talk about it, being able to do what we do on the film board and on the next reel is why I see movies in the first place. So that's why I like doing it. And that's why I like these kind of movies. Um, It reminds me of, so this this may or may not make any sense for what we're talking about here, but um, Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam, they Uh made the song Jeremy, right? Yes. You know the song Jeremy? He spoke in class today. You've heard that. Yes. So at one point after the song is wildly successful, there's this interview and this bear with me because this actually might be urban legend at this point, but the, but there's an interview. I seem to, I think I remember seeing him say it where they ask 
Eddie Vedder about, well, was there a Jeremy and was this written about this person and this sort of, you know, does, does it matter? And, and Eddie Vedder said something to the effect of, uh, well, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people right now. So I'm not going to def- tell you how I came up with the lyrics. And, you know, and I say it might be Urban Legend because that might be what I want Eddie Vedder to say. But the it's a reason good answer, I think so too. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about these kind of movies, I don't think filmmakers feel like that. I think filmmakers make a conscious choice to either close that loop or leave it interpretive for you. And I think that conceit, the 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 gimmick, if it's there, you know, the totem in Inception or the 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 Easter eggs like the Blue Skies on Mars, that kind of stuff. Th- those things, I think they put them there on purpose because I think that's their purpose in making that. Do you do you think that, or do you think it's something different? I do. No, I think that they do that on purpose. I, at risk of talking about myself, I've, I'm clearly not a filmmaker in line with any of the other people that we're talking about. But I made a short film that had some good success. JJ, you were involved in it. Yeah. Called Adam and Evelyn. And uh, it involves two very strange, you can see them as protagonists or antagonists. Either way, they're obviously somewhat otherworldly, but we never explained on purpose what they were. Yeah. And that was always the number one question of who was Adam and Evelyn in the short film that we got at every single Q&A that we got into, and we got into a lot. Yeah. And one of the most fun things for me was to say, well, what did you think? Yeah. Yeah. And I got a lot of different really cool <laughs> answers. There's, I mean, that can be seen as laziness. I did have a personal vote right. on what I thought it was, but there was no need to close that loop, like to use a phrase that you used before. Yeah. I would think that filmmakers that really like to use this, A, want people to talk, and also B, whatever's on the other side of a door, speaking of horror movies, whatever's on the other side of a door is always scarier until you open it. And so the things that people can bring from their own lives, their own ideas and past experiences to a film that has ambiguity like that, uh, I mean, why not? Why not let them do that to a certain extent? I mean, there are some times when it's just a cop out. But but for the most point, I would think that that lets the audience really get involved. It becomes more of an interactive experience instead of a passive watching experience. Yeah, I, I love the conversation. And I think that, I mean... The, the fact that it's more interpretive, the fact that, you know, that, that people can talk about it afterwards, I think it's a signal. Well, it is to me. It's a signal that the that there's a better piece of art there. I, I don't know. I, I guess that's what I'm mm-hmm. going to a movie looking for is to be moved in some uh, deeper fashion. But you, we, you talked about uh, a person who would ask themselves out of that conversation um, that, that we're talking about that we find important here. What do you think, like, Joe Public, Joe Moviegoer, who's out there seeing when they see something like this, why do they ask to be out of the conversation? Why is it, how are they seeing movies like this when they don't want to consider whether a mind bender is real or fake? It's an interesting question. I'm a little bit, and I know you didn't mean it this way at all. I'm a little bit, uh, there's a lot of levels of Joe public. Sure. Uh, So just like the people that sort of, Maybe watch films as cheeseburgers. Wait, that's not a phrase. Eat, like fa- like movies or fast food entertainment. Okay. Um, a lot of people, one obvious example maybe is that it makes them uncomfortable. No. That, that, that's why I brought up the cheeseburger. You don't ever talk about eating a cheeseburger and talking about it later with your friends. Right. That it's more just a something that it's a distraction. Yes. And it's something that you can be entertained for a while and then go and go back to your life and not have to take it with you, not have to worry about someone questioning you about it. 
all this kind of, that's where the phrase, and I'm bringing it up again, is the phrase that became very popular for a while, which is, it's not the best film I've ever seen, but it's not the worst. Right. That's literally saying nothing, <laughs> but it's a defense mechanism, a way of just sort of saying, I'm not comfortable going on public record because I haven't taken the time to think about it, nor do I necessarily have the inclination to. Right. Does so it's easier to be, all? yeah, because yeah, I think maybe it's it, it's easier to be evasive or considering it deeper. It might, you know, cheeseburger is a, is a, is a good way, if some, a good way to describe it. If someone likes one kind of food and uh and they dress their cheeseburger up with some really sort of hipster things they they're gonna say well that was different um but you know it's a cheeseburger and they put it in a shoe you're like i don't know (laughs) what'd you think i don't know if anyone out there's gonna like that metaphor but i do um So the one of the reasons that uh, we're, we're not putting this on the air, are we? Oh, of course we are. Wait, are you recording this? Cheeseburgers are delicious. Okay. <laughs> one of the reasons why uh, I thought about putting this on here is because Pete and Andy recently did a um, a podcast about the Wizard of Oz, which I found really interesting in terms of the historical context context for Mindbenders. In that, in the book it was complete fantasy. And I didn't learn, I learned that on their their podcast because I've never read the book. I've only seen the movie. Yeah. Um, and that the dream aspect, her waking up in the bed and saying about, what was it, the Tin Man, oh, I missed you the most and all this stuff. There was all these sort of... Well, she sees everyone around her bed. Right. Is, right, is the people that were populated fantasy characters in her yes. or whatever it was. Okay. Yes, and that's not in the book. That's not in the source material. They Hollywood closed the loop. That's interesting. And why, I mean, it's 1939, so I don't know, you know, why, if it's something about the the maturity of movies at the time, I know that there are other things out there, but obviously this was, I mean, The Wizard of Oz is one of the, is a classic. But do you think there would be a reason for Hollywood to do something like that? This is when we need that... uh amazing woman that makes that amazing podcast you must remember this sure what you know is because i would i would love to look at some of the history of other movies around that time and maybe the wizard of oz was such a stretch and such a mix of normal on earth girl that becomes involved in such an insane hyper worldly thing that they needed to ground it well how did how did the book end I don't. Well, no, it's a series, and I don't even know if Wizard well, so of she Oz stays is the first. There. Yeah, and, and then it's like Adventures in Oz and all these different things. It's on my bookshelves right now. Looking Glass. It, it, no, that's Alice. But yeah, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that Catcher in the Rye? <laughs> <laughs> J.D. Salinger. Yes. I've read one book. Thanks, Bible. Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, but it's like an entire series, and it goes through all these other adventures, which actually makes you know you think the Wicked franchise and all that stuff you know that's happening now really interesting right. when you consider that. It's a new take on it. But I just think... I could see some sort of executive saying, yeah, but we need to bring it back. It can't just live like this. There aren't little people running around and bloody blue. I mean... Well, and Pete and Andy talked about the the idea of not a love interest, but a relationship, a a tight relationship with the, the Tin Man's earthly character and such that they ended up discarding. But that kind of stuff where, you know, you hear a lot of times that Hollywood needs an allegiance to a romance in a story that, that they would they would infuse romance into a story where it didn't exist. And I wonder if this kind of thing, if we could find examples, and, and I don't know them right now off the top of my head, but where they're infusing the closed loop for the same reason. Maybe. And it's also, I mean, it really is archetypal of some of the first stories. We as people learn to tell. 
when you're a young child, very, very young, and you start sort of making up stories, right. do, you, do you kind of remember? I remember all my stories ending up being, and then I woke up and it was all a dream. That's one of the first things that I learned in school when we started really writing. I mean, way in grade school, they're like, that's just not allowed. Yes. <laughs> they're like, free your mind, do whatever you want, but it can't just be a dream. That's a cop out. <laughs> Which yeah. is actually, that's interesting about what we're talking about right now. <laughs> but either way, I wonder if there was a little bit of um, using that archetype, but then the brilliant idea of having the people around the bed to see where she got it from. Yeah, I, I just wonder if it's a Hollywood thing. And I thought it, it made me think of It's a Wonderful Life, too, because I, I never saw It's a Wonderful Life until I was an adult. But you think about that where it's it's by nature a closed loop story. I mean, I don't think you could tell that in a open mind bender way. Right. But it but it still creates this fantastical story where you consider you know it's it's debunking the myth or it's actually like giving you the myth right so it's not debunking it it's actually it's actually writing the myth as you see the movie but it's that kind of thing too where you see this and was his experience for him cuz it's a wonderful life is kind of the christmas story christmas carol right yep Christmas Carol and is the same thing too you think about it um, so maybe that's one of the original I mean the Christmas Carol is so old that might be the original mind bender when you think about how Scrooge was dealing with everything Ebenezer yeah. Scrooge right that he is sort of everything reality almost goes on pause while he gets to go and be taken around and then it comes back and it's Christmas and fatted goose right <laughs> exactly here comes the <laughs> was, was that real or did he just bonk his head right yeah. uh, do you know of any movies like this coming out soon? I don't think, I think that's kind of hard to know. Well, Mindbenders, it's also different. I mean, when I was talking about M. Night Shyamalan, maybe yes. only some of those, I was wrong now that I'm thinking about it more, only some of those are Mindbenders. Most of those are just twists. Right. And I guess that's a different thing. But that's, oh, so Shutter Island, when we talked about Shutter Island, I feel like the end of that acts like a twist. But I like the word you used when you were talking about um, childhood stories and, um, where we were doing with things it, archetypal i think archetype is really what we're talking here mm -hmm. is that it's 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 a type of story that we tell and it needs that sort of that that's that full sort of vehicle to get it through so uh, yeah i think that that's more like that where there's a twist at the end of the story and you can consider you can walk away considering whether leonardo dicaprio was living something that was staged or if he made it up in his mind but really it's just a twist at the end of the story and if you follow it through to the end that's what it is and that's like m night Shyamalan. at the very end when he's talking to mark ruffalo do you think he knows the truth and that he so, was insane and then decides to get the lobotomy anyways for me, yeah. I say yes, but that's just because I love that. I yeah. love that he, <laughs> that it's uh, that it's a that it's a a way of therapy, mm -hmm. and through it he gains clarity, and with clarity he makes that choice. But that's just the way I choose to watch it. But that's that's why I like Shutter Island. Yeah, because I because you can have this discussion about it and see see what you want to do with it what's what's your opinion about it i do too uh there are some clues but it's mostly so just in a look that he gives a sidelong look that he gives to mark ruffalo so there's i think it's equal way that you can look both what he says when he goes back about that they have people everywhere and stuff i yeah. think that he is making the choice and again that's another film this is now the fourth film about someone descending into a dream Right. And then coming back out, in effect, either yes. with better or less understanding. I guess better understanding, yeah. And I love that stuff. And I think I'm going to choose to go with archetype 
<laughs> I don't know. Um, I think that's that's the thing that I'm resolving here for the end of this. I don't know if everyone will agree with me on that. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. But with a <laughs> lot of different factions, a lot of different little ways and nuances of ways to do it. Right. And I think I think our other thugs will probably disagree with us. And hopefully people listening to this, uh, wherever they are, have different ideas, too. Um, yeah, if, bring it. Come at yeah, us. If you can think of another word to describe this type of movie, you should leave us a note somewhere, like at Facebook or... Or, uh, or at the com because we'd like to hear it. Uh, J- JJ votes for archetype. I still am sticking with head scratchers. <laughs> head scratchers, or yeah, we're call- we started with mindbender. That's that's how we're going to label it. I don't know. Mindbender is the better one. Yeah. No, but archetype makes sense. Yeah. Good. So these are our TNR shorts. And if you at home, if you're listening to this at home or in the car or on your headphones, if you like what you're hearing in terms of the new TNR short content or any of the other content we're doing please give us a five-star review on iTunes because it helps more and more people find out about all the crazy stuff we're doing. Tommy, do you want to talk about anything that you're working on? Uh, I got a puppy. Yeah, okay. I think we know that, don't we? Uh, Oh, great. I just wanted to make sure. I always want to tell people that I got a puppy. Actually, I am. I'm working on my own first TNR short, solo short, uh, called Wait, Wait, Hear Me Out! where I will talk about what I feel are hidden gems of movies that you would look at the title of and think that I'm drunk or lying. I am neither. Well, I'm one of those. But I hopefully (laughs) will be giving you some new movies to check out that are overlooked. That's awesome. So everyone out there, keep eyeing your subscribe podcast for that. The wait, wait, what is it? Wait, wait. Wait, wait, hear me out. And it has to seem desperate. That's the way to say it. It's about hidden gems. Uh, Or Speakeasy, which is uh, involving Hollywood insiders, Hollywood professionals talking about things they're doing in Hollywood. Or uh, check out thenextreel.com for details on our massive library of ambling historical content about movies. And there is a lot there. So uh, until then, thanks so much for listening to our Yammer and Prattle. Good night. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.